Take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you dry it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. Spanning the continent to bring you the truth about cannabis and marijuana law reform. I smoke pot and I like it a lot. CannabisRadio.com presents The Russ Belleville Show The voice of the marijuana nation Hey, this is great, man Now, here's your host Radical Russ Belleville Good day, tokers and tokets And non-toking lovers of liberty It is Friday, January 22nd, 2016 And it's got to be 420 Somewhere in the world We made it to the weekend, folks. Glad to have you here, and my apologies for not being here yesterday, but we had an emergency here in the uh, Belleville household. My wife, Iva, developed an excruciating migraine headache at work, and folks, if you you think migraine headaches are a joke, I'd invite you to uh, come experience yesterday with me. Uh, Her coworkers were so afraid. She uh, uh, was losing her balance. She was uh, black, you know, couldn't see. Uh, We rushed her to the emergency room. They tested her for stroke, for aneurysm. Uh, All the tests were negative, but the the pain was absolutely unbearable. Just, Just a shame to have to watch that and uh, guess what helped the pain after we got home that's right some good old-fashioned medical marijuana it's one of the best treatments we've got for migraine pain out there too bad it's illegal in so many states still but that's why we're here every weekday at uh, 3 p.m pacific time 6 p.m eastern here on cannabisradio.com fighting to get the information out the education out so that the people all throughout the united states can benefit from medical marijuana, and we could end the stupid and futile prohibition of personal use of marijuana in this country as well. So to that task, we are going to bring you all sorts of great information on today's show, beginning with our interview coming up at half past. We'll be joined by Stephanie Bishop, who's a fellow marijuana activist. She joins us from time to time to give us her updates on marijuana legalization. And today she's going to tell us all about what's going on at the United Nations, their update, they're going to be having a special session coming up soon on drugs. She'll give us some updates on mass incarceration in America, and we'll also take a look at a new economic impact study of marijuana legalization on the Emerald Triangle region of Northern California. All that's coming up at half past. Right after that, we'll have time for a radical rant. I've been going rounds on Twitter for the past couple of days with a guy who goes by the handle BP Madman. Uh, The BP stands for Border Patrol, and he was kind of upset about one of my posts about the Border Patrol and the idiocy of having them bust people for marijuana, people like Snoop Dogg and Willie Nelson and Fiona Apple, but also how they are allowed to operate within 100 miles of the U.S. border and to detain American citizens in violation of their Fourth Amendment rights, supposedly to try to stop uh, illegal immigration or terrorism. But we know what they're really stopping us for. It's so they can bust us for weed and get easy asset forfeitures. We'll talk about that in the Radical Rant at the end of the show. Also coming up on the show today, we have got some drug war data mining. We're going to take a look at the kids after legalization who find marijuana is not that risky, but it is harder to get. Then we'll have 
our behind the headline segment today is actually going to get into a stupid prohibition story from my neck of the woods back in my home state of Idaho. You won't believe what's going on there. Uh, a couple of guys, uh, not the brightest bulbs in the pack. That's for damn sure. But first, we start off with the Cannabis Radio News. And in the headlines today, we're taking a look at medical marijuana in Ohio. We're looking at PTSD added to medical marijuana in New Hampshire. We're going to look at Kansas, where cops are testifying against CBD oil. And the Supreme Court has struck down decrim in Wichita. Also here in Portland, Oregon, former trailblazer Cliff Robinson is starting a marijuana business. We've got a lobbyist in Massachusetts for medical marijuana who opposes legalized marijuana, a congressman from Maryland who doesn't have his facts straight on Washington, D.C., and the Denver chapter of Normal filing an adult personal use venues bill in that city. All that coming up right after this. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Vuber way. Chronicling the latest cannabis industry news and headlines. Well, with four states with tax and regulate and the District of Columbia. The state of cannabis. Oh, my God. It's refreshing. We have people that generally wouldn't speak on behalf of cannabis for fear of retribution, fear of losing your practices, fear of of many of those things, and and find ourselves in in a a place that we finally can. Bringing you fact-based news and views and keeping listeners on the pulse of what's happening in the industry today. The state of cannabis. On demand anytime, only on CannabisRadio.com. Imagine life without taxes. Let New Era Certified Public Accountants, NewEraCPAs.com, handle your Cannabis 280E in tax strategy. Get your business prepared with New Era CPAs Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. NewEraCPAs.com, with years of experience in the industry, we are one of the nation's leading accounting firms for growers, dispensaries, and ancillary companies from Washington to California. NewEraCPAs.com. It's time for the Cannabis Radio News. Covering the latest headlines in consumer cannabis, medical marijuana, and industrial hemp. Cannabis Radio News is now available exclusively at CannabisRadio.com. Now your marijuana headlines in 4 minutes and 20 seconds. This is Cannabis Radio News. This is your Cannabis Radio News for Friday, January 22nd, 2016. Ohioans have been mulling marijuana legalization since this time last year, but a medical marijuana amendment planned for this November by Marijuana Policy Project likely will now drive the debate. 
The D.C.-based organization has had a hand in crafting most state marijuana decriminalization and legalization laws in the past two decades, and the group helped activists in several states with successful marijuana legalization ballot initiatives. Polls show a slim majority of Ohioans support recreational marijuana, but as many as 9 in 10 support medical marijuana. A bill introduced Thursday in the New Hampshire State Assembly seeks to add post-traumatic stress to the list of ailments available for medical marijuana treatment, which was legalized in 2013 but remains hard to obtain in the Granite State. The proposed legislation comes as New Hampshire grapples with an opioid and heroin addiction and overdose crisis. Medical marijuana advocates argue that better access to cannabis would offer an alternative means of pain relief to people now using painkillers or heroin. In 2015, the state's medical examiner attributed 385 deaths to opiates, almost double the 192 fatalities in 2013, according to New Hampshire Public Radio. Kansas lawmakers have heard testimony from opponents of a measure to mitigate penalties for marijuana possession, permit the use of hemp oil and to uh, hemp oil to treat seizures and allow industrial hemp research. Law enforcement representatives were among several opponents Thursday testifying about a bill to allow medical hemp preparations to people suffering from seizures. They testified before the Senate Corrections and Juvenile Justice Committee. Ed Klump, a lobbyist from the Kansas Association of Chiefs of Police, said that the bill would lead to recreational marijuana use. Despite the majority of Wichita voters approving a marijuana ballot issue last April, the Kansas Supreme Court has struck it down on a technicality. The court decided that petitioners did not follow state law in filing the proposed ordinance with the city clerk, but it did not address the state's arguments that the proposed ordinance conflicted with state marijuana possession laws. The issue, which pitted the city against the state, would have lessened the penalty for possession for first-time offenders over 21 with one ounce of marijuana. It would not have legalized or decriminalized possession, but instead make the first defense a criminal infraction with a $50 fine. In his playing days with teams like the Portland Trailblazers, Cliff Robinson was known as Uncle Cliffy. Now, as he begins a new business venture, the former Yukon star also has a new nickname, Uncle Spliffy. Robinson, along with a group of investors, will open a grow operation in Portland, Oregon, according to a story in the Portland Business Journal, with plans to have a product by the end of the year. Twice suspended for marijuana use during his NBA career, Robinson is now an outspoken supporter of both the medicinal and stress-relieving benefits of marijuana. He will serve as the keynote speaker at Portland's Cannabis Collaborative Conference in two weeks, where he's billed as a cannabis advocate on the conference website. Daniel Delaney, a lobbyist who has experience helping companies seek medical marijuana licenses, is opposing a proposed 2016 Massachusetts ballot question that would legalize marijuana. Delaney this week set up a group operating under the name Safe Cannabis Massachusetts, which will oppose the campaign to regulate marijuana like alcohol. One of Delaney's clients is Patriot Care Corporation, which is working to open a medical marijuana dispensary in downtown Boston, as well as two others elsewhere. Maryland Congressman Andy Harris introduced an amendment aimed at blocking Washington, D.C.'s law that decriminalizes marijuana. He had some interesting reasons for not wanting legal pot, including noting that the African-American unemployment rate is 40 percent and the high school graduation rate is 12 percent. In fact, African-American unemployment in D.C. is 13.6 percent and the graduation rate is almost 60 percent. 
The Denver chapter of the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws, Denver Normal, will be filing an initiative to put a limited social use of marijuana bill on the ballot in Denver in 2016. Denver Normal's goal is to pick up where others left off after a limited social use measure that qualified for the ballot in 2015 was withdrawn by proponents. Quote, we greatly appreciate the previous attempt to bring this issue to Denver voters, but we want to get this done, said Jordan Person, executive director of Denver Normal. The need is obvious as residents and visitors continue to have no legal place other than private homes to enjoy a legal product with like-minded adults, end quote, Person said. This has been your Cannabis Radio News for Friday, January 22nd, 2016. I'm Russ Belville. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. We need to build a wall. Okay. Maybe you're high, too. Hey, this is Willie Nelson for Norman. And I smoke pot and I like it a lot. I learned a long time ago that marijuana is a lot safer than alcohol. There's nothing wrong with the responsible use of marijuana by adults. It's time we stopped arresting and started respecting those who smoke marijuana responsibly. To learn what you can do to help, contact Normal at NORML.org or call toll-free 888-67-NORMAL. Hey everybody, it's Radical Russ here from 420 Radio inviting you to be like me and get your ink done at Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo, Fort Worth's most female-friendly, clean, sterile, awesome tattoo shop. Thomas and his crew are true artists who can design you a custom piece or use a design you bring in. Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo also offers all styles of tattooing as well as piercings and all-around fun. In the DFW area, stop by Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo and tell them Radical Russ sent you. Trust me, it'll feel awesome. As a public service, the Russ Belleville Show reminds you that smoking marijuana does not make one stupid. However, some stupid people do smoke marijuana, and Prohibition is always waiting for another victim. Learn your lesson from today's Stupid Prohibition Stories. With your Stupid Prohibition Stories, I'm old-timey 1920s radio reporter Freddie Farrakh. This just in, two men were arrested for marijuana trafficking after calling 911 on themselves. EastIdahoNews.com obtained the January 2015 call admitting that they brought drugs across the Idaho border. Leland Ayala Doliente, age 22, and Holland Sward, age 23, were traveling from Las Vegas to Bozeman, Montana with about 20 pounds of marijuana. Court documents say the men were under the influence of that marijuana during their trip and felt police were following them when they crossed into Idaho. Rexburg Police Captain Randy Lewis told EastIdahoNews.com that they were not, in fact, being followed by anyone. The men were so certain they were, and so freaked out, that they pulled over off U.S. Highway 20, 
parked their car and called 911. Hi, uh, we're the two dumbasses that got caught uh, trying to uh, bring some stuff to your border and all your cops just driving around us like a bunch of jack wagons. I just really would like you guys to end it. You guys, you can help me out with that. We just like to get, get on with it. You got caught doing what? Ah, uh, God. Okay. Um, we kind of got boots here trying to bring some stuff across your Idaho border. Okay. And, uh, yeah, a bunch of your cops driving around a bunch of civilian cars just not want to pick us up. I don't know what's, what's the deal. I was just wondering if you could help us out and just end it. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, maybe call one of them. I don't know. It's getting cold out here, man. I just want to get warm and just get on with this whole thing, so. Okay. Where, where are you at right now? University Boulevard, right next to the gas station in Applebee's. There's all your all your buddies are around us, so you can help us out. It'd be great. Okay. All right. And is it just you, or is there anybody else with you? Uh, it's me and my buddy that I brought with me, and then we have a dog that we're going to bring back to its owner. But, um, oh, okay. Yeah, she's a really nice dog. She's not mean. She's a pit bull, so... Okay, cool. Okay. She's really cold in the car. She can use some food, too, so. Okay. Yeah, and what, what was your name, man? Uh, it's Leland. Leland, okay. All right, hold on just one second. Okay, stay on the phone with me. All right, thank you. Nice guy. You want me to jump in the air and click my heels twice? Do you guys have any like, guns or weapons or anything on yeah, you at all? We don't, have, we don't have any of that story with us. Just a bunch okay, of cool. snacks and stuff, so. <laughs> All right. No, I just want to make sure that just they're, they're just curious. So. Yeah, yeah. We tried walking away from the car a couple of times, and I've been worried. We tried waving them down. It didn't work. So I don't know what's going on here. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. I, I do have I do have one of my uh, Mark units. He's on his way over there, so he said he's on his way to meet you. So. All right. Thank you. According to EastIdahoNews.com, investigators found twenty pounds of marijuana inside a dog cage that suspects had put on the sidewalk. There was also nearly $600 cash in the car. Sward pleaded guilty to possession with intent to deliver, a step down from the original felony marijuana trafficking charge. He was sentenced to five years in prison, EastIdahoNews.com reports. District Judge Greg Muller suspended the judgment, placed him on probation for five years, and ordered him to serve 30 days in jail. Ayala Isla Doliente was sentenced to one and a half to eight years in prison in November. Judge Muller increased the sentence after Ayala Doliente tested positive for marijuana, cocaine, and oxycodone on his sentencing day, according to EastIdahoNews.com. I'm Freddy Farrakh with your stupid prohibition story. <laughs> okay, um, so you got 20 pounds of weed in a car, you're driving up from Nevada to Bozeman, Montana, and you think you're being tailed, followed, pursued by unmarked cop cars. So your response to that is to call 911 to try to get them to call the cars off you, or to get the cars to show up and bust you. 
<laughs> Either way, not the brightest guys in the world trying to be marijuana traffickers. And now they'll have, well, one of them's got a month and the other one's got at least a year and a half to uh, sit in a cell and contemplate just how stupid that move was. Folks, these kind of stories just really get to me because they're the kind of stories that get a laugh. They end up on uh, the late shows and all the comedy shows making fun of them. And that just further entrenches that stereotype of stoners being uh, stupid and paranoid and all of the things that they like to say about us. I really hate this. And this is one of my favorite things about marijuana legalization is that having legalization means we will have fewer and fewer of these stories as we eliminate the black market, as we reduce the incentive to try to take 20 pounds across eastern Idaho, one of the strictest, most religious, most Republican places in America. Come and see the violence inherent in the system! Help, help, I'm being repressed! You can hear the entire 911 call if you like. It's at KUTV.com. KUTV.com has the full 911 call and the uh, the mugshots of these two geniuses. When we come back, we're going to go into the drug war data mines, take a look at the latest information from the Monitoring the Future survey that shows the kids are all right. We'll be right back. Dabber, hurry! Its temperature is shooting past a thousand degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up! I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth-tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct! Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber, doctor's order. Less heat, <laughs> More flavor. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. The Supreme Court is wrong on the Second Amendment. Okay, maybe you're high, too. The smoke is rising, and the next crop of podcasts devoted to cannabis providers and enthusiasts are ready to be harvested. Welcome to the Cannabis Radio Network, founded by respected rainmakers who have been producing award-winning podcasts for over a decade. Industry headlines, business updates, medical reports, marketing, and e-commerce education rolled up perfectly for your consumption. Let's grow together. The Cannabis Radio Network. CannabisRadio.com. The Fingerboard Extension has fretted instruments to enhance your creativity. It has new and used guitars and banjos from beginning to high class. The Fingerboard Extension has National Resophonic, Hassan Dalton, Larrabee, Heritage and Recording King guitars, and Mike Ramsey, Wildwood, Gold Tone, and Recording King banjos. The Fingerboard Extension also has drum stuff, used gear, and parts. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension, downtown Corvallis, Oregon at 120 Northwest 2nd, or check out the inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com and reverb.com. Promoting the end of adult cannabis prohibition is easy because we have facts, science, reason, compassion, evidence, truth, and logic on our side. It's even easier when researchers catalog it all for us. Learn how to gather the facts on marijuana use, arrests, seizures, rehabs, drug tests, and more on this edition of Drug War Data Mining. 
One of the things we have to face from the marijuana prohibitionists uh, over this early part of the century is them clinging to the life raft that is Watsi. That stands for What About the Children? Unfortunately, won't somebody please think of the children? Yes, yes, we will. Unfortunately for them, we have something called data that uh, punctures their little prohibition life raft and shows that since legalization, the kids are all right. The Monitoring the Future survey of American high school students has been conducted since 1975 by the University of Michigan. It asks kids what drugs they're using, how often, how dangerous they think drugs are, and how easy drugs are to get. Ever since California first legalized medical marijuana use in 1996, and especially since Colorado and Washington legalized personal marijuana use in 2012, the prohibitionists have been crying Watsi. Such acceptance and normalization, they argue, can only mean more experimentation and use by children except the data that disagrees with them. See, the greatest use rates for marijuana among high school seniors haven't come about through medical marijuana or marijuana legalization. It was in 1978 and 79, way before anybody legalized medical marijuana, that we found 60% of 12th graders had tried marijuana in their lifetime. 50% of 12th graders were using it at least once a year. 36% of 12th graders were using it at least monthly, and 10% were using marijuana daily. That's right, 60% lifetime use, half of all seniors had tried it, a third or more of all seniors were using it regularly, and one out of 10 seniors was using it every day, 1978 and 79. Now consider... The high school seniors of 1978-79 are in their 50s now, and some of them are the heads of corporations, leaders, uh, politically speaking, and so forth, sports stars, etc. So, didn't seem to cause a massive problem in America when one out of 10 high school seniors was smoking pot. Now, the survey didn't ask the younger kids about drugs until the 1990s, but even then, we find the greatest 8th grade and 10th grade marijuana use rates happened in 1996 and 97, just as California was establishing medical marijuana. Among 10th graders, the rates were 42% had tried it, 35% annual, 20.5% monthly, and 4% daily use among 10th graders in 1996-97. And in that same year, 8th grade use was 23% lifetime, 18% annual, 11% monthly, and 1.5% daily marijuana use by 8th graders, 1996 to 97. So, taking a look at those rates and comparing them to the latest survey numbers, we find marijuana use is down across the board. Well, where 12th graders were 60, 50, 36, and 10 for lifetime, annual, monthly, and daily. They are now 45, 35, 21, and 6, lower across the board. Where they were 42, 35, 20, and 4 
for 10th graders, they're now 31, 25, 16, and 3 for 10th graders. Where they were 23, 18, 11, and 1.5 for 8th graders, they're now 15 and a half, 12, 6 and a half, and 1 for the 8th graders. So, we've legalized four states, we've medicalized another 19 states, yet the kids are using marijuana less afterwards. Another Watsi prediction of the prohibitionist is that legalization will make the kids think marijuana use is less risky. Indeed, from 1988 to 92, the height of the Just Say No era, more than three out of four high school seniors thought that regular use of marijuana was risky. Today, that has dropped to less than a third. Now, who is surprised by that? Back in 1988 through 92, we were told that marijuana turned your brain into a fried egg, your talking dog would be disappointed at you, and smoking marijuana would make you high dive and into an, into an empty swimming pool. So when kids learn the truth that marijuana is a medicine that's safer than sugar, why wouldn't they find it less risky than before? Yet even though high school seniors' disapproval of regular marijuana use at 71% and their belief that it should remain illegal at 57%, are the lowest rates in the 21st century, the lifetime, annual, monthly, and daily marijuana use rates among 8th, 10th, and 12th graders are still down over the 21st century. That lower risk, disapproval, and support for prohibition among teens hasn't translated into greater teen use. Another question they ask the 12th graders is if they wanted to get a hold of some pot, how easy would it be? Ever since first asking this question in 1979, the rate of seniors who'd answer easy or fairly easy has been between 81 and 90%. This last year, 2015, for the first time ever, that rate dropped below 80%, just barely at 79.5. That's down from the all-time high of 90% in 1998. Therefore, during the medical marijuana era and into the marijuana legalization era, kids are finding it harder to acquire marijuana, they think marijuana use is less risky, they disapprove of marijuana use less, they support marijuana prohibition less, and they're using marijuana less. What about the children indeed? This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. The Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com, the national wildlife refuge for marijuana unicorns. Come on, please. That's your cue. Come on, please. <laughs> 10, 9, 8, 
At midnight, July 1st, 2015, adult marijuana prohibition came to an end in Oregon. Immediately, over 400,000 adults who consume cannabis responsibly were no longer criminals. This is what freedom sounds like. Brought to you by Portland Oil. Imagine life without taxes. Let New Era Certified Public Accountants, NewEraCPAs.com, handle your cannabis 280E in tax strategy. Get your business prepared with New Era CPA's Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. NewEraCPAs.com, with years of experience in the industry, we are one of the nation's leading accounting firms for growers, dispensaries, and ancillary companies from Washington to California. NewEraCPAs.com. Activism begins with ACT. The Rush Belleville Show features the stories of hardworking grassroots activists working for an end to prohibition in today's activist agenda. Welcome back, everybody, to the activist agenda. Joining us here is one of my favorite activists. Stephanie Bishop is on the line. How are you doing, Stephanie? I'm good. Can you hear me? Yeah, we hear you just fine. Okay. Hey, I am fabulous. How are you? I'm great. I'm looking forward to February. There's so many big things happening. We've got the Cannabis Creative or Collaborative Conference going on uh, February 2nd through 4th. Cliff Robinson's going to be there. That's getting a lot of uh, viral play all across the internet, and and so many different uh, activities we have to get to. What are you What are you looking forward to in the next couple of weeks or months? You know, I'm actually really really excited because normally I have to go to Portland to get together with my activist friends. Portland is sort of Oregon's hub. But next Tuesday, everybody's coming down to see me. There's a uh, little show at the Cosmic Cafe. It's women in the cannabis movement. It is from 6 to 9 p.m. on Tuesday night. And Madeline Martinez is coming down from Portland, a couple of other um, Anthony Johnson's wife, uh, Sarah Duff's coming down. Excellent. Now, is this in Eugene? Is is this in Eugene, you're saying? Yeah, Eugene. All right, Eugene, Oregon's got it going on. Well, Stephanie, we got so many topics to get to. We better jump right into it. I know the first thing you wanted to talk about was what's happening at the United Nations regarding drugs. We know there's all those treaties that we have to deal with, especially now Canada, when they're looking to legalize. So what's happening with the U.N.? Well, I'm really excited, um, actually, because, you know, up to now, we've only really been taking bets on the political situation with the candidates. Mainly, we've been watching the debates, taking bets on what material will be picked up for Saturday Night Live (laughs) that following week. But we're deviating from that because, you know, what's happening, it looks like we don't know who's going to reschedule cannabis first. Is it going to be the United Nations in 2016, or is it going to be the U.S. government? Because, you know, one of the things they say about the U.S. government rescheduling cannabis is that the U.S. government actually has to admit that it has medicinal value, and both you and I know that in the last couple of weeks here, we have proof from the government admitting that marijuana has medicinal value. So, does that mean that's going to be a push 
again for rescheduling. In the United Nations, on an international level, they have not announced the official details of the meeting that's being been called by the Mexican government to decide if cannabis is in the correct place on the drug diversion program at the United Nations. So I'm looking at an April deadline there for discussion. Who do you think is going to... Who do you think is going to reschedule first, U.S. or the United Nations? Hmm. Uh, interesting. I think uh, if I had to lay odds on it, I'd put United Nations just because of the uh, the pressure they're getting from Uruguay, a lot of the Latin American countries, and now you know Canada and Mexico, of course. So uh, I think there's right. more political Jamaica, pressure there. Because remember, oh, Marley, uh, Marley put out his line of topicals. Yes. The Marley family has come up out of Jamaica with their own strain. They've trademarked it. And they are making topicals out of it. And they are soliciting the Canadian government for medical marijuana patients so they can they have a, a market there for, for their products. So they want international trade. Well, that's good news. That uh, that kind of pressure is going to help us uh, get what we want. That's for sure. Uh, so the, the right. U.N. Uh, session, that's taking place uh, in April, right? Correct. Now, that's a special meeting to discuss it. There's been a lot of pressure. Um, more and more countries are signing on to reform the, the laws in the drug diversion program, mainly with marijuana because all of these countries want to be a part of the pharmaceutical medical marijuana. Mm -hmm. But they're also relaxing it on a couple of other levels, too, and it goes back to what we're looking at in the United States, mass incarceration. So there's been a call out to the United Nations to some of the more draconian states that they're basically killing people for smoking pot or stoning them in the streets or, you know, really human rights uh, activists. Like the human rights against these people are really bad. So they're also, they're also looking at that. They want, they want to reevaluate the whole pro program, not only to see if it's fair for people who are getting these human rights you know, against them, they're getting beaten and thrown in the streets, but also to open it up for pharmaceutical companies to explore medical marijuana. So with this, uh, this look at mass incarceration, uh, a lot of it, though, has to be focused right here at the United States, since we have, you know, 25% of the world's prisoners in this country. Correct. And, and so what's happening on the mass incarceration, there is a lot going on in the mass incarceration. Before Obama leaves office, I believe he will offer clemency to many, many more prisoners, prisoners before, I mean, 2016, he's, he's got a year. Um, you know that story in Montana, this is a huge deal in mass incarceration. For the first time in the United States, in Montana, a jury nullified a, a marijuana case. So the judge was not able to find one jury member that would sit on the jury that did not believe that the laws putting that person up on the jury stand in the first place are not correct laws. They're not what we want anymore. Yeah. Jury nullification means that if you do not believe that the law should have been a law in the first place and you're a juror, then you can nullify. You can say now. I don't want to prosecute this person. I don't agree with the prosecution that this person should be on trial in the first place. And so for the first time we had jury nullification in Montana, 
that's huge for mass incarceration. Yeah, it's it's, huge, huge. it sure is. And so many people don't know their right to uh, nullify on a jury because the uh, defense attorneys are forbidden in almost every state. I think New Hampshire they're allowed, but in almost every state, they cannot even mention that the right to jury nullification exists. And this is something that predates our Constitution. This goes back to English common law and the ability of jurors to decide not just the facts of the case, but the legitimacy of the law itself. So get yourself informed on that. You can uh, join the Fully Informed Jury Association. FIJA.org will give you more information on that. Now, Stephanie, also, we're interested today in hearing a little bit about this economic study uh, coming out of the Emerald Triangle in California. Can you fill us in? Sure. You know, I've been doing economic impact studies on cannabis for a while. What that means is cannabis has always been considered a hard money commodity. It doesn't matter what country. I've done Lesotho, South Africa, where 28% of a family's income, it's the second poorest country in the world, 28% of their income strategy, their livelihood strategy comes from cannabis. See, here in the United States, it's always been a thing. You can pay your cleaning lady with an ounce of weed. Your cleaning lady can choose to either consume that weed and not have to pay for recreational marijuana or medicinal marijuana, or she can sell that weed to somebody and turn it over and pay her rent. That's a hard money commodity because it's not something you need to liquidate. It's not something that you have to wait 30 days for the stock exchange to go through. You don't have to do anything like that. So I've been doing economic impact studies. Now, the Emerald Triangle is really interesting because we know that outdoor growing in the United States comes from this particular region. But in my research, what I found out is there's some very specific reasons that that region is so significant in marijuana and it has to do with a giant flood that happened in 1963 that wiped out almost every single city in the entire region and left everybody like nobody there wow nobody Wow. Yeah. In 1963, it was two days before Christmas. Apparently, it was like the perfect storm. It rained like crazy, and then a a cold front came in, and then it snowed, and then all of it melted. And so uh, December 23rd, 1963, is when it really just everything started coming down the river. All of the rivers flooded. The main industry in the area at that point was logging. And so they had big, huge log jams that were in, like affixed on the shores of the river. And that's where they held their logs to take them into the mills or uh, out of the water and put them in the mills. They all broke. Huh. And so imagine all of these rivers in, the, in Northern California coming through higher than they've ever been in their life with floodwaters that were more damaging than anything we've ever seen just ravaged the entire area. It cleaned out almost every city. Uh, Most people had to be evacuated. You couldn't even stay in the area after this happened because there were no way to get resources and stuff to you. So what happened after that? That happened in 1963. By 1969, when the Ohio State... Uh, shootings happen, this area's land values were down to nothing. I mean, you could buy 260 acres of land for the same price as an acre of land. It was crazy. Right about this time, we all know the Vietnam War happened. So in 1969, the Kent State, Ohio State shootings happened, 
and and the hippies started heading for the hills, and they started buying up all the property there. So we've got the perfect condition. The perfect storm caused the perfect condition so that the river silts could completely cover in, in multiple feet this dirt. And that river silt is, is the nutrient dirt that they use now to grow the best cannabis in the country wow. outdoors. Huh. And in addition, we all know that that saved that region because you have grocery stores, you have the whole cities that have been built up. None of that would have happened without the cannabis industry. So looking at the economic forecast for the Emerald Triangle, how are they going to keep going uh, when they've been formed on an illicit economy in the face of legalization? Well, you know, it's funny. A lot of these economic impact studies I do, you know, they, they allow... Uh, they allow conditions for these markets to be built. I mean, it's always been in that region, don't ask, don't tell. You know, they don't really, they, they have really gone in and there have been raids, but for the most part, for, the, for since the 60s, they've all pretty much grown marijuana in those mountains. And we all know it because we've all been there. We've seen like the raids, they come in and they just cut everything. Everybody runs to the the beaches and comes back and just plants again and keeps going. It's the same thing as Amsterdam. You know, Amsterdam, they allowed an entire industry to be created to where you could go down and get a loan. If you were an employee in a coffee shop, you could go down and get a mortgage loan for your house at the bank no problem because your job security was better than everybody else's and that was an illicit market. And then when they started pulling it back in, they found that the citizens of that area weren't really willing to let go of a livelihood strategy that had they've allowed they've been allowed to exist in a gray area for all this time. Right. And we saw that in uh, 2010 when uh, the counties of the Emerald Triangle voted strongly against Prop 19. So as we move forward with legalization, what's it going to take to convince them that it's in their best interest? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, it is an in in and of itself its own economy. It's different than any other region, any other city, any other market in the world. Yeah. Well, I mean, in the country, I mean... There are other markets like that in the world, obviously. The Rift Mountains, you know, they've been making hash in the Rift Mountains of Morocco, you know, for centuries. They right. never stopped. Now, this this year, they're demanding licenses for their farmers. Hmm. Uh, to this year, they've been paying off the local cops, you know? Yeah. Well, it's it's fascinating to to see how these uh, economies are going to grow and change as we move into a legalized environment. And uh, we know you'll be paying attention to that stuff, all that economic stuff, and reporting back to us. And Stephanie Bishop, want to thank you for calling in from uh, Eugene, Oregon today. And uh, do you have any uh, plugs for websites or contact info you'd like to give out? Oh, you know, you can just search Stephanie Bishop Cannabis on Marijuana uh, in Google and find everything. My blog is where I'm going to be posting. Um, it's a blog spot, adamsonerada.blogspot.com. Again, just Google Stephanie Bishop. It's easier. All right. Check her out. <laughs> Stephanie Bishop online. Thank you, Stephanie, for calling in. We'll uh, talk to you again real soon. Talk to you soon, Russ. Thanks. Bye-bye. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com.
Gondrepreneur.com, your guide to the cannabis business world. Gondrepreneur.com is a comprehensive resource for cannabis professionals and entrepreneurs. Download the Gondrepreneur app on your smartphone or tablet to catch up on cannabis industry news, scroll through our daily job listings, and learn about successful cannabis companies, executives, and investors. Gondrepreneur.com, helping Gondrepreneurs grow. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com, where we don't change our mind on decriminalization during an election year. Cannabis Confidential with Dr. Dina. Candid. I want to give you the inside story. Captivating. I want to introduce you to my kind and amazingly talented friends. Compelling. We get to meet some of the most amazing cannabis activists and warriors around. Listen in as medical marijuana pioneer Dr. Dina shares never-before-heard stories, chats with cannabis insiders and celebrity friends, and provides invaluable perspective and insight into one of the fastest-growing industries in the world. I want to share with you what was once confidential information. Let's expose the truth, discuss the issues, and learn the facts. Cannabis Confidential, only on CannabisRadio.com. The Fingerboard Extension has fretted instruments to enhance your creativity. It has new and used guitars and banjos from beginning to high class. The Fingerboard Extension has National Resophonic, Hassan Dalton, Larravee, Heritage and Recording King guitars, and Mike Ramsey, Wildwood, Gold Tone, and Recording King banjos. The Fingerboard Extension also has drum stuff, used gear, and parts. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension, downtown Corvallis, Oregon, at 120 Northwest 2nd, or check out the inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com and reverb.com. must wage what I have called total war against public enemy number one. I support a change in law to end federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. That marijuana, pot, grass, whatever you want to call it, is probably the most dangerous drug. Some think there won't be room for them in jail. We'll make them. I experimented with marijuana a time or two, and I didn't like it and didn't inhale. One major responsibility is to encourage people to use less drugs. Entirely legitimate topic uh, for debate. Radical rant. If you follow me out there on social media, and you can, as Radical Russ everywhere, I'm Radical Russ. If it's social media, you'll find me as Radical Russ. But if you follow my Radical Russ Twitter feed, you'll find that from time to time, I get involved in these Twitter debates, these discussions with people online, uh, and they can be quite illuminating uh, in many respects. I, I love Twitter. I love being able to have debates with complete strangers, 140 characters at a time. Uh, and really, there's, there is a value to it. It, it. Having to crystallize your thoughts in just 140 characters weeds out all of the fluff and all of the pomp, and it gets right down to the actual subject at hand. And so you, you find a lot of truth, or at least a lot of honesty, in people's responses online. And so lately, I've been in this Twitter discussion with a person who goes by the handle BP Madman. And it stands for Border Patrol Madman. He's a law enforcement officer who stands up for law enforcement officers. And he was upset at me posting one of my pieces uh, about the Border Patrol. And that led to our Twitter discussion, which really uncovered a lot of very typical things that you hear from cops. 
one of these things you hear from cops when you, you point out how, because part of what I was doing was pointing, pointing out what a ridiculous waste of time it is to have Border Patrol pulling over Willie Nelson's tour bus to see if he's got weed in it. Like, duh. <laughs> okay. But the idea that our taxpayer money would be funding a Border Patrol with supposedly the goal of stopping illegal immigration and protecting our border from terrorists, but instead spends a lot of its time busting people for marijuana, not immigrants with marijuana, but U.S. citizens with marijuana, people that aren't even crossing the border. In fact, the Border Patrol is allowed to operate within 100 miles of the U.S. border. And keep in mind, that's not just Mexico, Canada, those borders, but also our sea line, the the, the coastlines uh, of the Great Lakes, the Atlantic and the Pacific Oceans are also within 100 miles of a border. The, the, The ocean is a border, right? So you have this 100 mile zone all across the West Coast, the East Coast, the Gulf Coast, the Great Lakes and the Canadian and Mexican border. That 100-mile zone means that over two-thirds of the U.S. population lives within that zone, since most of the cities are near the oceans, right? So you have a situation there where Border Patrol, when they're set up, we're talking about federal cops that can set up roving checkpoints, roving Border Patrol checkpoints, nowhere near the border, but instead on frequently traveled freeways like I-10 or I, uh, the, the I-10 going across the South there, right? Where they can catch people with drugs. And we all know how the cops catch the people with drugs and they get all sorts of benefits through asset forfeiture and funding grants for doing so. And so I tried, I tried so hard to have a meaningful discussion with BP Madman about how ridiculous that was. And instead He relied on the same old cop talking points that we hear time and time again whenever we try to have an intelligent discussion. And the first talking point is it's against the law. Weeds against the law. The Border Patrol's in charge, been charged with enforcing federal laws. Weeds against federal law. So if Willie Nelson comes across the Border Patrol checkpoint, even though he's not crossing an international border, if he comes across the Border Patrol checkpoint and weeds against the law, well, goodness gracious, the cops just have to bust him. They just have to because they have to follow the law. That's not the point. The point is not whether or not cops should follow laws. Of course, cops should enforce laws. That's not what we're asking. What we're asking is, is having cops enforce those laws worth it? Is it a stupid law? I'll cede the point that cops have to enforce laws if the cops will cede the point that some of the laws are stupid. And then when it comes to that, another defense that BP Madman trotted out was that the uh, the cops don't make the laws. They just enforce the laws. The laws are stupid. Go to Congress. Go to go to your state house and change the laws. Okay, I'm willing to accept that, except for the fact that every time we go to the state house or the federal uh, Congress to try to change our laws regarding marijuana, guess who's standing there in full uniform with sidearms uh, at their side, testifying against us, 
It's those same cops who supposedly don't make the laws. If the cops don't make the laws, they just enforce them. What the hell are they doing in the state house in Kansas fighting against non-psychoactive CBD oil for epileptic kids, warning that that kind of non-psychoactive, non-smokable, non-high producing marijuana extract is going to lead to teenagers smoking doobies in Wichita? Come on now. You cannot stand by that. In fact, I would prefer to see a world where law enforcement as a profession is forbidden from lobbying on the laws. Cops shouldn't be against that. I mean, they have been saying we don't make the laws. We just enforce them, right? So let's make it a law that law enforcement personnel cannot in uniform, representing the taxpayers, representing the state itself, cannot lobby for the laws that they would then enforce. That's an inherent conflict of interest. Now, I'm not shutting down anyone's First Amendment right. If BP Madman wants to go in civilian clothes as a civilian and testify against those laws, wonderful. But you cannot believe that equal weight is given to the testimony for or against marijuana laws when it's people like me showing up in civilian clothes to support them versus people like them showing up in their full-dress uniforms with sidearms coming to oppose them. It's so difficult to try to get these cops to recognize these things. And then, of course, as the discussion goes on, uh... He starts calling names, you know, calling me a stoner, 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 even though throughout the entire discussion, I never once called him a pig, right? You always notice when they're getting frustrated, they'll start to attack the messenger, right? Obviously, what I'm saying can't be true because I'm a stoner. Well, that's a logical fallacy, uh, the fallacy of authority, but uh, that's the way the argument tends to go with these law enforcement types. So cops, look. I like cops. I like law and order. I like there being a force to protect and serve. The problem is, is the war on drugs perverts that intent. It changes it from protect and serve to search and arrest. We are all for cops preventing crime. Where crime is defined as an infringement of someone else's personal or property rights. Crimes have to have victims. The prohibition against marijuana, and for that matter, other drugs, are victimless crimes that cede with the state the power to enforce personal morality. And that is not where we want our police officers. Every bit of evidence shows that the drug war corrupts our police and ruins the relationship between the police and the citizens they're supposed to be protecting and serving. It's time to end this war on certain American citizens and using non-pharmaceutical, non-alcoholic, tobacco-free drugs. And I really wish more cops would get on that page along with law enforcement against prohibition. The cops are the ones that know the marijuana laws are useless and futile. The cops are the ones that know for every time they bust a dealer, there's just two more dealers to take his place. 
When we keep seeing story after story of police corruption, cops that are selling drugs themselves, planting drugs on suspects, and just generally running roughshod over our Fourth and Fifth Amendment rights, it's time to recognize that that law has to change before the people start taking the law into their own hands and against the cops. That's all the time we got for our first hour. Stay tuned because your calls are next at 971-533-7111. For everyone here at CannabisRadio.com, I'm Radical Russ. And until next time, take care of each other, tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a scene, you plan it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you It's time for Toker Talk Radio, the voice of the marijuana nation. What are you people? On dope? Or you can tell. I am here. Uh, or you can talk. I experimented with marijuana and didn't inhale. Or you can talk and talk. Ten federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. While we talk about toke on Toker Talk Radio. So, by the way, when it comes to pot, you know, if you're 40 years old, you live in a log cabin in Oregon, you got 12 giant pot plants in your backyard, have a ball. Live from beautiful Portland, Oregon, at Rolla J Studios. Freedom! Freedom! Hey, this is great! Freedom! Plus your calls live at 971-533-7111. They're walking on their pants with their cap on backwards, listening to the end of a man, the snoopy, snoopy poop dog. What's to keep somebody from getting all potted up on weed and then getting behind the wheel? Gateway theory doesn't work. It's a reality. Holland, is it real? Don't tease me. We're locking up people that take a couple of puffs of marijuana, and and the, the next thing you know, they got ten years. And now, here's your host, the guru of ganja graphics, the sultan of sativa statistics, and the worst nightmare of a reefer mad prohibitionist. A polite, perspicacious, productive pothead with a propensity for PowerPoint. Radical Russ Belleville. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back, everybody. It's Friday. Time for us to chill out here at Ola J Studios. Also, a couple of programming reminders. Coming up at 5 o'clock, top of the hour, make sure you tune in to Stoner Jesus. Hallowed be thy name. Stoner Jesus is showing up 5 o'clock Pacific time to take you to Stoner Heaven. You're going to have yourselves a good time. Also, for those of you who are fans of marijuana music, don't forget that 420radio.org is providing you 24-hour marijuana music. Today's Rockin' Friday on 420radio.org. So if you tune in right now, either online or through the 420 Radio app, which you can get at 420radio.buzz. And it's a new app, by the way. If you've still got that old app, throw that thing away. Get rid of that thing and go get the new 420 Radio app. It's totally awesome. 
gives you the last 10 songs, gives you links to automatically Facebook or tweet anything you're listening to, share buttons, all sorts of great stuff. It's available at 420radio.buzz. And just a reminder on that tip, at 8 o'clock Pacific time, Herb Thrasher will be back bringing you a new episode of the Herb Thrasher Flower Hour. So if you're into rock, metal, and alternative country, that's the show for you. Two hours of great tunes and lots of fun on 420radio.org. Oh, yeah, it is Friday. Let me uh, take a break, take a little relaxation here. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> That's some Durban poison, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, we got the Durban poison today. Uh, the cannabinoid profile on this, 22.77% THC. Oh, yes, indeed. That is true. Uh, judges? Is that a, yes. Yes, judges agree. It's definitely a heady Durban poison that we've got in the studio today. Check out our uh, chat room on CannabisRadio.com as well. If you're on the CannabisRadio.com page listening right now, if you look at the uh, player, there's this little uh, cartoon balloon that's kind of blinking back and forth, kind of waving at you. You click that, it'll open up the Cannabis Radio chat room. John Thomas, Jackie Newberry, BTC Macroeconomics, they're all in the chat right now. And uh, our guest, Stephanie Bishop, was there earlier. And another programming note, uh, you can catch, if you if there was a great interview or a radical rant or a drug war data mining or behind the headlines that you really loved and you want to pass that on to other people so that they can hear it as well, you can check that out on my SoundCloud page. It's soundcloud.com slash Radical Russ, and there's embeddable links to all of these different interviews, so you can share them on Facebook, you can post them on Twitter, you can... Put them up on your webpage if you like. Just help spread the news and let everyone know that we're here at the Russ Belville Show on CannabisRadio.com, always bringing you the latest interviews, the latest news, and everything you need to know in the emerging market of marijuana legalization. Now, coming up on this hour, too, got a bunch of stuff for you. We've got numbers coming out of the state of Oregon for their Healthy Youth Behavior Survey, and uh, shock Adults in Oregon use more marijuana. Well, what do you know? You legalize something and more people use it. Or at least more people admit to anonymous pollsters that they use it. We're also going to take a look at Snoop D.O. Double Jizzle. Snoop Dogg, the dog father. There's a story out about how he quit marijuana for six months and still maintains a tolerance break of three months a year. We're going to talk a little bit about the tolerance break and why it's something every stoner should consider. And then we'll wind things up today talking about my questions for the 2016 presidential candidates. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Stop. 
Dr. Dabber, hurry. Its temperature is shooting past 1,000 degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up. I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth-tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct. Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber. Doctor's orders. Less heat, <laughs> more flavor. You're not high. You're listening to the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Carson doesn't believe in the Geneva Convention. Okay. Maybe you're high, too. The smoke is rising, and the next crop of podcasts devoted to cannabis providers and enthusiasts are ready to be harvested. Welcome to the Cannabis Radio Network, founded by respected rainmakers who have been producing award-winning podcasts for over a decade. Industry headlines, business updates, medical reports, marketing, and e-commerce education rolled up perfectly for your consumption. Let's grow together. The Cannabis Radio Network. CannabisRadio.com The Russ Belville Show is proudly sponsored by the Marijuana Business Association. The MJBA, called by NBC News the Cannabis Chamber of Commerce, is the fastest-growing business association in the fastest-growing industry in America. I've been working with the MJBA for years, and I personally invite you to join the MJBA. MJBA also publishes the popular MJ Headline News on Facebook and the MJNewsNetwork.com and Marijuana Channel 1 on YouTube. Visit MJBA.net for more details. Pod 2.0. It's not your father's Woodstock weed. <laughs> this is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everybody. It's uh, eight and a half after the hour here at uh, Rolla J Studios. Getting ready for all sorts of fun stuff happening here. February 2nd, 3rd, and 4th, the Cannabis Collaborative Conference is taking place here in Oregon. I'll be there. And and, uh, so will Cliff Robinson, formerly Uncle Cliffy from the Portland Trailblazers, now known as Uncle Spliffy. Yet another one of the athletes, professional athletes, former professional athletes who are getting involved in the marijuana business. You know, uh, Frosty Rucker from the Arizona Car- Cardinals. Excuse me, I've got the hiccups. So, so sorry. Frosty Rucker from the uh, uh, Arizona Cardinals, he uh, tried to get involved in the marijuana business through the Ohio Issue 3 investment that he made. And now uh, Cliff Robinson trying to get involved with marijuana legalization here in the state of Oregon. Uh, to find out more about the... Uh, Cannabis Collaborative Conference, you can uh, go online, and uh, I'm finding the website for you, right, as we speak, as I try to uh, stop these damn hiccups, you can find it at (laughs) ccc-con.com, how's that, ccc-con.com, and uh, the one... One day passes are going for ninety nine dollars. Uh, two day passes for one forty nine. Keynote sessions, content sessions, exhibit hall, and networking events. It's taking place February third and fourth at the Portland Expo Center. That's the one out on Marine Drive, 
And uh, this is phase two of the first conference, which was the Cannabis Creative Conference. Uh, we got together for that one as well, actually presented at that one. I'll be there uh, reporting for CannabisRadio.com and MarijuanaPolitics.com. That's here in Portland. Pre-conference events February 2nd, and then the conference is February 3rd and 4th. Then February 5th and 6th, headed down to San Bernadubi, I think, for the uh, High Times Cannabis Cup, the Southern California Cup. It's uh, it's a. Uh, I'm not exactly sure if I'll be there. I think I'll be there. I've been asked by a friend to represent the Sean Parker Initiative and uh, on a panel about marijuana legalization. And uh, it's still up in the air whether or not they're going to cover my uh, flight and hotel to get down there. And if they do, then I will get down there. But uh, I wanted to talk a little bit in this segment about the latest numbers coming out of the state of Oregon in their healthy youth survey. There's a story up on the Oregonians website, OregonLive.com. And it says marijuana use among Oregon adults higher than the rest of the country. What do you know? People in Oregon smoke pot. Who'd have thunk? So the lead here in the story by Noel Crombie is marijuana use among adults 26 and older in Oregon has doubled since 2006, while at the same time use has gone up only slightly in the rest of the country. Now, here's the problem with that. I actually looked shit up, and I looked up that report to find the data, and it didn't have, I, I didn't, in the time before I could get onto online here, uh, I didn't have the time to find the 2006 report being referred to, but there was a chart, and on this chart, the uh, marijuana rate was around a 6% rate of regular marijuana use among adults, and then the latest rate was about 10%. So, you know, I, I'm willing, I'm willing to give a little leeway when it comes to describing statistics, right? Like if something comes up at, you know, 1.1 and you round it off to one, or if something comes up to 7.9 and you round it up to eight, that's fine. You know, if, if there were 32% of something and you said it was about a third, that's great, right? If it was 48.7% of something and you said it was close to half, that's cool. But when something is at six and rises to 10, you're really pushing it to say that's doubling, right? Because from six to 10, is a difference of four, not six, right? Double six would be 12. So how much are you shading the truth when you say that something is double when it goes from six to 10, when the real double is six to 12? Well, look at it this way. The difference between 12 and 10 is two. Two is a third of six. So you're overestimating it by a third when you say this that double six is now 10. So, I mean, I love Noel Crombie. I love her reporting, generally speaking. But you can't say something has doubled since 2006 when it went from 6 to 10. That's just, that's that's pushing it way too far to get that headline of double the use. Now, 
Let's think about those numbers for a second. It says overall one in 10 adults say they use marijuana, which remains especially popular with young men. And Oregon's marijuana use among adults has exceeded national trends for the past decade. That's absolutely true. It hasn't mattered whether we legalized or not. People in Oregon have always used a lot of pot. But what about the uh, contention here that, oh, well, it doubled, you know, almost doubled in Oregon, but it only went up slightly in the rest of the country. Well, consider what we are doing when we ask people about their marijuana use. We are calling them on the phone generally and telling them that we're with the state government and we're doing a poll about drug use. And we want to know if you're breaking state law by using drugs. Do you think maybe there's a tendency to under-report? Now, I know they'll tell you on the poll, this is a completely anonymous poll. Your answers are confidential. But come on, when somebody gets a call from a state authority asking them if they're breaking the law, it's a much tougher time to try to, to agree that, yes, you're breaking the law than if that weren't the situation. What I'm trying to say here is that marijuana prohibition confounds any survey result we get about marijuana. If you look at the rates of marijuana use, self-reported marijuana use in the 1980s, you'll find that by the end of the 70s, lots of people are admitting to using marijuana. By the end of the 80s, the numbers were about half what they were. Now, do we really think that about half the people gave up smoking pot during that time? Or through years of the 80s with just say no, war on drugs, mandatory minimums, and the terrible stuff that was, that was beginning to happen back then, do you think instead a lot of people went, maybe I'll just keep quiet about my marijuana use? I think it's a little of both. I, I, I do. I think, you know, marijuana use rates may rise and fall, sure. But so also does the cultural perception of marijuana rise and fall. And people want to belong. They want to feel like they're a part of something. And so they may be enticed to lie. So another thing I wanted to bring up about these uh, these Oregon uh, results is there was uh, a lot of talk about the youth Particularly in this one, it says 62% of 11th graders say they have easy access to cannabis. They say pot is easier to obtain than cigarettes and harder to get than alcohol. And this is one that the local Project Sand guy has attacked me with, saying, Aha, see? See, you guys always said that uh, legalizing would make it tougher for the kids, and yet the kids say they can get pot easier than booze. Or, or yeah, so uh, easier than cigarettes, I'm sorry. But pot is harder to get than alcohol. So it would uh, it would be nice to be able to prove this had anything to do with legalization. The problem is Oregon hasn't been asking this question until after legalization. In the national figures, we've got numbers for kids saying how easy or fairly easy is it to get pot. Nationally, those numbers have been between 81 and 90% for 40 years. That's right. For 40 years, 4 out of 5 to 9 out of 10 
high school seniors has said it's fairly easy or easy to get a hold of marijuana. This year, it dropped to 79.5%. Still a lot. But for the first time ever, ever, it was below 80%. And this is with four states that have legalized and 19 more that have medical marijuana and a whole bunch of others that have decriminalized. The more we've reformed marijuana laws, in other words, the harder it has been for kids nationally to get a hold of marijuana. Now, the the anti-pot people will point to Colorado and Oregon and say, ah, but they say it's easy there in Colorado and Oregon. But they don't give you the numbers for before the legalization to compare them to. So we don't know if it's changed or not. What I would say these numbers tell us is that whatever we're doing with cigarettes, let's do that with pot. If the kids say it's harder to get cigarettes, then what did we do with cigarettes? The other thing that we have to bring up when we talk about these things is, where are the bodies? The question isn't whether how many kids are using or how many adults are using marijuana. It's how have the harms of marijuana use increased or decreased in society? And one of the harms I can show you is the one about marijuana arrests in the state of Oregon, which show that in 2012, we had over 40 arrests per 100,000 for marijuana laws. And now we have under five arrests per 100,000 for marijuana laws. That means our cops are freed up to bust real criminals. There are some who call me... Happy 420, everybody, from the Pacific Time Zone. Like I said, we got some Durban poison here in the studio. I hope you've got something enjoyable. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about Snoop Doggy Dog. Bow, wow, wow, yippee yo, yippee yay. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be. The Vuber way. Marijuana is not addictive, but listening to the Russ Belleville Show is. Tokers, there's no good reason to get your dog stoned. While it might not harm them physically, imagine being a dog who already begs for treats all day, and then imagine that dog having the munchies. Not cool. Hey everybody, it's Radical Russ here from 420 Radio, inviting you to be like me and get your ink done at Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo, Fort Worth's most female-friendly, clean, sterile, awesome tattoo shop. Thomas and his crew are true artists who can design you a custom piece or use a design you bring in. Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo also offers all styles of tattooing as well as piercings and all-around fun. In the DFW area, stop by Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo and tell them Radical Russ sent you. Trust me, it'll feel awesome. Warning, hits taken on this show are larger than they appear. Do not try this at home. These people are professionals. 
or at least they pay me to say that. This is Dan Michaels from danmichaelsaudio.com, and you're listening to Radical Russ on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everybody. 22 and a half after the hour. And uh, more on that uh, Oregon data. So there's another part of this uh, story uh, in their press release, actually, where they tout the fact that Oregon's 11th graders smoke pot more than the national average. This is supposed to be terrifying, folks. Oregon's 11th graders smoke pot more than nationwide 11th graders. Now, that concerned me. I I was very interested in that because the Oregon Youth Risk Behavior Survey asks questions of 11th graders and 8th graders. And the only national data that I can think of that asks similar questions to high school kids is the uh, Monitoring the Future Survey. But the Monitoring the Future survey asks 12th graders, 10th graders, and 8th graders. They don't talk to 11th graders. So I was wondering, like, well, how can you say that Oregon's 11th graders use pot more than national 11th graders when there aren't any data for the national 11th graders? How, how did, where did that come from? So I did some digging. I looked up the report. And I found this paragraph, this sentence, I should say. This is the sentence that explains it all. Oregon's surveys collect data among 8th graders and 11th graders. Monitoring the future results for 10th graders and 12th graders were averaged to provide a national comparison for Oregon's 11th graders. (laughs) Oh, oh, I see. So you just make shit up. You just come up, you just decide that taking an average of 10th and 12th graders would be equal to 11th graders. Stunning, folks. Absolutely stunning. Okay, so by that logic, if I take an average of the nation's 12th graders and 8th graders, that number should equal the nation's 10th graders, right? I mean, if the average of 10 and 12 is 11, then the average of 12 and 8 is 10, correct? So let's take a look at the national monitoring the future numbers in that respect. I've got the spreadsheet right up on my desk because that's the kind of data I collect. Here we go. Uh, the 8th grade marijuana use in 2015 was 6.5%. The 12th grade marijuana use was 21.3%. This is monthly use. The average of those two figures is 13.9%. And yet the actual figure for 10th grade marijuana use is 14.8%. So it's off by almost a whole percentage point. Okay. Let's take a look at the alcohol use. Again, because, you know, if we can average 12 and 10 to get 11, we can average 12 and 8 to get 10. So, alcohol use among 8th graders monthly was 9.7%. Among 12th graders, it was 35.3%. And the average of those two figures is 22.5%. What was the actual 10th grade alcohol use? 21.5%. So, again, off by a full percentage point. And that's our average. 
How about the figures for kids getting drunk? Have you been drunk this month, kids? Well, nationally, 3.1% of 8th graders and 20.6% of 12th graders have been drunk. That comes out to an average of 11.9%. Yet, the actual number for the 10th graders was 10.3%, off by 1.6. Okay. How about the cigarettes? The cigarettes, 11.4% for the 12th graders, if they've smoked this month, and 3.6% for the 8th graders. Average of that is 7.5% when the actual figure was 6.3%. So again, off by about a percentage point. So the averages here of two different grades do not tell you anything accurately about the grade in between that date. To be using an average of 10th and 12th grade data to come up with 11th grade data to compare against actual 11th grade data in a state is pretty damn shady. Pretty damn shady. So that's how much I, you know, how much uh, uh, credence I can lend to this Oregon state numbers. It's also interesting how uh, people react to this stuff. Uh, there's the comments on this one story are up to 600 and some odd, 605 comments already. And it's just interesting how uh, so many people here will uh, talk about marijuana addiction and how people that are supporting the changes in marijuana laws must be marijuana addicts. And sometimes you know, friends of mine that get into these debates, they, uh, they shy away from that. They, they, they try, they try to, you know, dismiss the claim of addiction or whatever. I never do. I love it when these guys say, well, marijuana addict, you know, someone is addicted to marijuana. I say, bing, you know, here I am guilty as charged. I smoke marijuana every day, every day, multiple times a day. If, if there's someone who's going to be called a marijuana addict, folks, I'm the guy. The question is, do I have the freedom to be a marijuana addict? I certainly have the freedom to be an alcoholic. Nobody's sending cops out there trying to make sure that somebody's not drinking every day. That's perfectly legal. So go ahead, call me a marijuana addict. For one thing, it makes it funnier when I beat your ass in a debate, right? It's like Bill Hicks' old line about the war on drugs. Saying there's a war on drugs says that there's a war against people who use drugs, and they're winning. So yeah, call me a marijuana addict, and then I'll beat your ass in Trivial Pursuit or Jeopardy or you know any sort of mental test you want to take on, and then don't you look stupid for losing to a pothead. It's a strategy that I've used in numerous debates. I used it with uh, Ben Court. I used it with uh, Kevin Sabet, right? I always like to play the play their own letters and titles against them, right? I'll play it like, well, golly gee, you know, I'm just a guy with a high school education, and gosh, these guys have PhDs and master's degrees, and well, they've you know have so much education and smarts. But the one thing they don't know is what it's like to smoke pot. 
you had a guy like Kevin Sabetz never smoked pot in his life. And, and these debates I go to, and I talk to these people and I just ask him, one of the first things I ask is, have you ever smoked pot? Because there's two answers I can, well, three answers I can get. One is no, I've never smoked pot. Well then what the fuck are you doing on this stage? You don't know a goddamn thing. You might as well be a man up here talking about periods, <laughs> right? <laughs> you might as you might as well be an NBA player talking about the plight of the little people. Like, yeah, you can read up on it. You can get educated on it. You can have empathy for it. But you don't get it. You can't get it. You're like that uh, Rachel Dolezal. Claiming she's black, right? Standing up for Black Lives Matter. You can you can feel it. You can be educated on it. You can make it a part of your life. But if you're not it, you can't get it. So if you're not a pot smoker and you want to debate me about pot smoking, you're already losing. You lose right there because you have no practical experience. Now, this is where they'll answer, well, yeah, but I don't have to, I don't have to know that uh, drinking gasoline is poisonous to, to be against that. I, I don't have to be an astronaut or a, a, a weathercaster to know that global warming is bad, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we're talking about stuff people do, right? I can concede all sorts of points on the science of this or that can be understood by people that don't actually do those things. Sure, science is science. It doesn't care what your resume is. But we are talking about an activity that people do. So if you don't smoke pot, you can't get it. But then the other answer I can get is yes. Yes, I smoked pot like that's the Ben Court. I used to be a marijuana addict. I used to smoke pot and I had to give it up and my life turned to shit. And now, now I'm counseling others to avoid it. And that's cool. Hey, you want to counsel people to avoid smoking pot, more power to you. You know, free First Amendment, free speech, all that kind of stuff. The problem I have is when you want to try to criminalize them, just as I'd have a problem with you if you were trying to prohibit tobacco, if you were trying to prohibit alcohol. We cannot make criminals out of people for what they do to themselves. That's called enforcing morality. That's not criminal justice. You cannot criminalize what people do to themselves. It is not a crime to lead your life in a useless and destructive way. Because if it is, we don't really have freedom. There's nothing out there that says you have to live up to your potential, that you have to be a winner. All you have to do is not fuck with other people and their property. That's that's the thing we expect in society. Don't don't do that, right? Don't murder people. Don't rape people. Don't burn shit down. Don't steal. That's just respecting other people's rights. And part of why we respect other people's rights is because we believe they have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness as they see fit. And that is the pursuit of happiness, not happiness. I think that's an important distinction. The guy who's got a heroin addiction is pursuing happiness. He's just chosen a terrible way to go about it. So we cannot morally keep these drug laws. And that's one of the points I kept trying to get through to BP Madman. I kept pointing out that, yeah, you could say it's legal, just like a cop in the 1850s could say uh, it's illegal to harbor fugitive slaves, so he has to obey the law and take in the the abolitionists who's, who's hiding the freed slaves. 
You could say, if you were a cop in 1950, that you got a complaint about two gay guys having sex, and that's illegal, that's sodomy, so it's crime, and you have to follow the law as a cop. Yes, you can make those points, but in making those points, you are obfuscating the actual point, which is, is that a just and useful use of our police resources? And it's clearly not. Marijuana laws are clearly not a just, fair, and useful use of our police resources. And that's all I want cops to admit. I can't, I just can't get them past that. I can't get them past being on the defensive of, well, we have to enforce the law. And, and I think part of why they're defensive is because they know it's a stupid law. If that's the defense you have to run to, nobody would have any problem with you enforcing rape laws. We'd like to see you do more of it, as a matter of fact. Because we all inherently recognize that rape is a violation of an inalienable human right. So is busting someone for what they do to themselves. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll, I will bring up that story about Snoop D-O-double-G and tolerance breaks. Also, my marijuana questions for the 2016 presidential candidates. I'm Radical Russ, live from Rolla J Studios in beautiful, legal Potland, Oregon. Stay tuned. We'll be back right after this. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. You can find Radical Russ online everywhere. Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, YouTube, SoundCloud, Snapchat, LinkedIn, and Boise State University's 2400 baud modem bulletin board system from 1985. Growing green to generate more green. Hello to all you happy herbalizers, smiling, trippy hippies, and everyone who believes in freedom and tolerance. This is The Grow Show, and I'm Kyle Cushman. From food to fuel, from remedy to resource. Welcome my guest, Ed Rosenthal, the guru of ganja. Let me ask you, right now I hear your lighter clicking. Are you smoking indoor, or are you smoking sun-grown? What am I smoking? I'm smoking concentrate. (laughs) (laughs) Way to get out of the answer there. So you're truly like the, the, the king, right? You just have you just clap your hands and somebody brings you a bowl and you're all set, right? Mm, I wish that were the case. <laughs> the Grow Show with Kyle Cushman only on CannabisRadio.com. The Fingerboard Extension has fretted instruments to enhance your creativity. It has new and used guitars and banjos from beginning to high class. The Fingerboard Extension has National Resophonic, Hassan Dalton, Larrabee, Heritage and Recording King guitars, and Mike Ramsey, Wildwood, Gold Tone, and Recording King banjos. The Fingerboard Extension also has drum stuff, used gear, and parts. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension, downtown Corvallis, Oregon, at 120 Northwest 2nd, or check out the inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com and reverb.com. 
most of us pirates, we go on vacation to North Dakota, you know. Because they've got a town called Argusville. Arr! What are you smoking there, boy? This is Dan Michaels from danmichaelsaudio.com. And you're listening to Radical Russ on CannabisRadio.com. Thanks, Dan Michaels, and welcome back, everybody. 39 after the hour, and coming up at the top of the hour, remember, Stoner Jesus is stopping by to save your stony soul. You know you're a stony sinner, so tune in to Stoner Jesus and get yourself saved. Hallelujah. Yes, exactly. Oh, <laughs> uh, so Snoop Dogg is in the news. There's a story up about the dog father, and it talks about him. It's on Hip Hop DX, and it talks about him quitting marijuana for six months. And the lead is that Snoop Dogg says temporarily quitting weed made him a better coach and a better person. It talks about how he's the coach for his uh, youth football league. And one of the kids there at practice said, coach, you smell like my mama's boyfriend. And he said, I had to check myself. I stopped smoking from that day for 180 days straight. And it made me a better coach, a better person. And I stopped smoking when I was coaching football. So every year when I coach football around the kids, I don't smoke. So that's three months out of the year that I do that. End quote. And good for you, Snoop Dogg. And I hope that other uh, cannabis consumers can take this to heart. And it's the idea of the tolerance break. We've talked about it with Dr. Mitch on our show many times. And it's the fact that if you smoke every day, all day, like I do, then eventually your own endocannabinoid system starts down-regulating, starts shifting down, and, and, and you get tolerance. You need to smoke more to feel a bit of a high. Now, the nice thing about our endocannabinoid system is this is not a permanent problem. Like people that get addicted to opioids, uh, people that get addicted to meth, they can fry those receptors. They can actually make it so they never can return back to the levels they used to be. Not so with cannabis. If you run out of pot and don't smoke it for a while, your system will go back to the way it was. And this is actually a good thing, something that we can enjoy and maximize economically our weed buys if you know how to use it right. With the right tolerance break for a week or a couple weeks, a month, you'll find that when you go back to smoking pot, it doesn't take so much to get you a really good high. And, of course, if you're not smoking pot for a week or a month, you're saving that money as well. Sometimes it requires some creativity coming up with a tolerance break. I know here at Rolla J Studios that, you know, I'm surrounded by weed all the time. There's no real reason not to smoke weed. You know, I work for myself. I live in my, my uh, workplace is in my home. Uh, I, I take public transportation. There's no reason I need to not smoke weed. Uh, I get paid pretty well. I shouldn't say that. I get, I get paid. <laughs> I get paid enough to survive. I should say, uh, despite using weed all the time. But for me, my tolerance breaks are like when I fly home to visit my family in Idaho and get to spend, you know, a few days without any weed. And I always love it when I get back to Oregon and I get that first bowl, man. It's like, oh my goodness, <laughs> what a nice high that is. 
So if you've not tried it, try it and see what happens. Now, a lot of times you get this as a challenge. This is uh, going back to these comment sections that you see on the uh, pot stories in the news where the anti-pot people will be going against the pro-pot people saying, you're all addicts, you're addicted, you're dependent on it. If you don't think you're addicted, try quitting. Just try quitting. Right? And it's that old line of, yeah, I could quit anytime I want to, but then they never quit. There is a kernel of truth to it, though. And, and I think everybody owes it to themselves to be self-critical and honest about their marijuana use. If you really can't smoke, and, and oh, by the way, let's put the disclaimer up. Let's get the disclaimer up. I'm not talking about medical use. Obviously, if you're a medical user, you're not going to stop smoking pot when that's going to cause you severe discomfort or even worse, right? And do keep in mind, almost all the time when I'm talking about weed use here on this show, I'm talking about adult personal use, okay? There's plenty of shows out there for the medical people. Okay, so we got that out of the way. Okay, good, good. So if you can't stop smoking pot for a few days, think about your use and think about why you're using it. Now, I get those people on my social media that'll say, all use is medical. All use is medical. And indeed, if you can't stop smoking pot for a few days, start looking at, is your use actually medical? And again, I'm not judging here. I'm not telling you to stop. And I'm not saying it's bad if you can't. I'm just saying, be honest with yourself about what's going on. That's all. It's it's important for us to be honest with ourselves, I think. But if you're just, you know, if you're a day-to-day pot smoker and you find that you can't stop, the next thing to evaluate is why can't you stop? And is that a problem, right? Now, like me, if you live here in Oregon and you got easy access, it's not a problem. Remember that old t-shirt? My only weed problem is that I'm out, <laughs> right? So, but if you're living in Kansas, you're living in Idaho and you're having to subject yourself to a lot of risk because you can't stop. That's something to think about. It's something to evaluate. But I don't know anybody that's got that problem. I don't know anybody that's got a problem stopping weed smoking if they have to. Uh, I know some who get grumpy (laughs) and you'd wish they had some weed, but I've not seen anyone go to pieces or rob a liquor store or, you know, try to do a home invasion because they were out of weed. It just doesn't have that dynamic to it, does it? All right. I also wanted to talk today about the 2016 election coming up this November for a U.S. president. And uh, I got an email today from my uh, buddy, Anthony Johnson at marijuanapolitics.com. And they're trying to get uh, presidential interviews. And they want to know if he had any questions for the presidential candidates when it came to marijuana. I said, do I? (laughs) I got all sorts of questions for the presidential candidates. So without further ado... My marijuana questions for the 2016 presidential candidates. All right. So let's start with the Democrats. Senator Sanders, Bernie Sanders, you've called not for rescheduling, but descheduling of marijuana. 
Would that mean moving federal regulation of marijuana to the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives? Or no federal regulation of marijuana whatsoever, ceding it all to the states? Senator or Secretary Clinton, you've often said that you're generally in support of medical marijuana, but that the issue needs more research. With over 28,000 studies currently in PubMed regarding cannabis, how much more research will it take for you to form a stronger opinion? Governor O'Malley, you were the mayor of Baltimore, a city with drug dealing so rampant that two popular television shows chronicled it. But that drug dealing also is often the only working economy in many urban areas. Do you think legalizing drugs would reduce urban violence? And how would you do it to ensure these urban areas and their people get to participate in that new legal economy? Now the questions for the Republicans. Donald Trump. Mr. Trump, should a pot smoker in a state that's legalized marijuana have full and unconditional Second Amendment rights? Senator Ted Cruz, you speak strongly about your reverence for the United States Constitution. Which part of the Constitution do you believe gives the federal government the right to ban the industrial hemp crops our founding fathers farmed? Dr. Ben Carson, as a neurosurgeon, can you explain the functions of the endocannabinoid system within the human brain? Senator Marco Rubio, you gained notoriety for sipping a bottle of water as you delivered the Republican response to the State of the Union. Did you have a dry mouth from recently smoking pot? Governor Bush, you have been candid about your daughter Noelle's struggles with addiction. Yet, as governor of Florida, you presided over a state that will take a pot smoker's voting rights for life if he's caught with 21 grams of marijuana. Do you only support compassion for drug users if they're named Bush? Governor Christie, you have said that you would crack down and not permit marijuana legalization to continue in Colorado and Washington. As president, how many federal agents and troops are you willing to commit in those states to make that promise a reality? Ms. Fort Carly Fiorina, you responded to a question about marijuana legalization by bringing up the tragic death of your daughter, yet marijuana had nothing to do with your daughter's death. Do you really see marijuana use as something on par with the struggles with hard drugs your daughter fought and lost? Senator Rand Paul, marijuana reformers look to Bernie Sanders on the Democratic side and you on the Republican side as most friendly to our cause. How would your treatment of marijuana in a Paul administration differ from the Obama administration, and for that matter, a Sanders administration? Governor Huckabee, you have famously struggled with obesity throughout your life, even writing a book about the issue. Which do you think, marijuana use or obesity, is more harmful to a person's health? Governor Kasich, your home state of Ohio overwhelmingly rejected a marijuana legalization proposal. Do you believe Ohioans rejected marijuana legalization per se, or just the controversial monopolistic manner in which the proponents tried to legalize marijuana? And finally, Governor Gilmore, you once said that marijuana is not a substance, it's a lifestyle. Does that mean your opposition to marijuana legalization isn't based on the science of the substance, but is rather part of a broader culture war? Those are my questions for the 2016 presidential candidates, and you can find that on my post today at uh, marijuanapolitics.com. 
all of those questions available. Plus, if you hover on each of the candidates, you'll get to see their marijuana policy project report card on their stands on marijuana. Only two politicians getting an A. Bernie Sanders gets an A and Senator Rand Paul gets an A minus. It's all available right now at MarijuanaPolitics.com. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we'll wrap things up and get the studio ready for Stoner Jesus coming up at the top of the hour. Right here on CannabisRadio.com. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Gondrepreneur.com, your guide to the cannabis business world. Gondrepreneur.com is a comprehensive resource for cannabis professionals and entrepreneurs. Download the Gondrepreneur app on your smartphone or tablet to catch up on cannabis industry news, scroll through our daily job listings, and learn about successful cannabis companies, executives, and investors. Gondrepreneur.com, helping Gondrepreneurs grow. Warning. Hits taken on this show are larger than they appear. Do not try this at home. These people are professionals. Or at least they pay me to say that. A public service message from CannabisRadio.com and the Russ Belleville Show. It's time for Cannabis Facts about teen drug use from Robert Platchorn's TheSilverTour.org. This message is supported by our donors and Hemp, Inc., a public company poised to lead America's hemp revolution at hempinc.com. A recent survey by the U.S. Centers for Disease Control indicates that in states that have legalized medical marijuana, the rate of marijuana consumption among high school students has not increased. In fact, in legal states like Colorado, teen use has actually decreased significantly. It's simply no longer a big deal for teenagers in legal states. This was Cannabis Facts from the Silvertour.org, an educational nonprofit supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., a public company poised to lead America's hemp revolution at hempinc.com. The Russ Belville Show is proudly sponsored by the Marijuana Business Association. The MJBA, called by NBC News the Cannabis Chamber of Commerce, is the fastest-growing business association in the fastest-growing industry in America. I've been working with the MJBA for years, and I personally invite you to join the MJBA. MJBA also publishes the popular MJ Headline News on Facebook and the MJNewsNetwork.com and Marijuana Channel 1 on YouTube. Visit MJBA.net for more details. You're tuned into the Russ Belleville Show, the voice of the marijuana nation, only on CannabisRadio.com. Ah, yeah, some Durban poison in the studio. Feeling good. Stay tuned, folks. Coming up at the top of the hour, Stoner Jesus is joining you, taking over the mic. And uh, you can join me at 8 p.m. tonight over across the dial on 420radio.org as if we have a dial anymore. Just go with it. Uh, on 420radio.org, I'll be co-hosting tonight's live edition 
of the Herb Thrasher Flower Hour. So I want to dip back into that Oregon data for just a little bit as we close the show up. There is another piece of the data that they tried to make a big, huge deal about. And that was the fact that about three quarters of the people polled said that they knew it was dangerous to drive under the influence of marijuana. And that's a problematic number to me because it's not always dangerous to drive under the influence of marijuana. People with tolerance to its impairing effects can drive just fine under the influence of marijuana. Don't believe me. Believe the federal government. See, there's two components of marijuana. There's THC and CBD. There's a lot of others, of course, but, you know, the two main components people know about, THC and CBD. And everyone knows the THC part's the psychoactive one. It's the part that makes you high. Others don't really know that CBD is an antipsychotic. It it reduces the high. It tempers the high from THC. This is why over time, the breeders of illegal cannabis plants have maximized the THC and reduced the CBD to almost negligible levels. This uh, Durban poison we've got here is 22.77% THC and 0.27% CBD, right? Because the iron law prohibition, you want to have the, the most bang for the buck. You want to have the most potent weed, right? So if this potent, you know, 22% THC weed is so terrible for me to drive on, why is it that when I get a pill of five or 10 milligrams of Marinol, which is 100% synthetic THC, zero CBD, the label on that bottle of Marinol says, until you know how Marinol may affect you, do not drive or operate heavy machinery. How come that label says, until one knows how they can deal with the effects of it, don't drive? Why does the label on 100% synthetic THC imply that once you got your high figured out, go ahead and drive, but I'm supposed to be afraid of the 22% THC? Now, I'm not encouraging people to get blitzed, baked out of their noodle, or newbies, for that matter, to be doing that. But the thing about marijuana is the people that are smoking marijuana know when they're impaired by it. It's not like alcohol, where it also impairs your judgment, and you don't know that you're too high. So, uh, that's disturbing. Another disturbing number, 39% of the people in that survey didn't know that marijuana was legal in Oregon. So, so if you got two out of five almost that don't even know it's legal, I don't know how much credence we want to give into what they think about marijuana. <laughs> they don't even know it's legal yet. Uh, we'll keep an eye on these data and many more throughout the rest of this year and in forthcoming years because it's going to show what we've always known. If there was going to be death and destruction and mayhem and massive IQ loss and problems with sperm and all these things they warn about marijuana, we'd have seen the effects by now. That's all the time we got. Stay tuned for Stoner Jesus. For everyone here at Roller J Studios and CannabisRadio.com, I'm Radical Russ. Until next time, take care of each other, tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com.
you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a scene, you plan it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a scene, you plan it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. Well, we're continuing on with our Pass the Stash contest to find the marijuana unicorns. Remember, a marijuana.